If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Crockover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope you're doing well wherever you are tuning in from. I see we have some listeners from Greece, Japan, Germany, India, Denmark, and the Netherlands, and some 20 other countries. So thank you for tuning in. I'd love to hear what you're getting from these conversations. My curiosity, which seems to be growing with each guest, is what our belief systems are, uh, our systems of care, health rituals uh, that, that people are developing personally and culturally that are working to help keep us well, and how we're doing this in a sustainable way. I'm looking to the brilliant and curious minds of people I know or are introduced to in this realm for answers to questions I'm trying to find the truth for for myself. But I'm hoping that in the process, you'll find them for yourself as well. If you uh, haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, pause for a second here and hit the subscribe button on your feed so that you'll always know when I put out a new podcast and, uh, you know, where I'd like to know where you're coming from, where you're tuning in from. I will be launching the new blog and resource site over the summer, and I have amazing guests lined up all the way through July already. The money that you contribute uh, to Patreon, to this Patreon campaign, uh, will, will help the speed at which I can get these episodes produced and out to you, and the cost of running the website and resource site. Um, and when I re- reach a sustainable dollar amount, the additional proceeds will go towards to start a nonprofit, which will benefit children lacking proper health care in our communities. If everyone listening here could donate a few bucks, it would really create some momentum behind this project and take care of some kids. I'm really excited about my next guest today. Lissa Hunsicker Kenny has been a colleague and friend of mine for over 10 years. Uh, Before we got on mic this day for this conversation, she told me that she had nine new new referrals in her psychotherapy practice all in one day. She said, I don't know if I've ever had nine new referrals in a month before. And this strikes me as an obvious sign of our times. With so much to sift through in our news feeds and social media platforms and the current state of politics in the world, our brains are constantly being pinged like mice in some cruel experiment for anxiety medication. Or maybe we are those mice. Whatever the case, many of us are having a hard time navigating this new matrix. Lissa doesn't offer the red pill or the blue pill, but she has developed a means out of her experience in trauma-centered care to help people cope and to learn to self-regulate. She took the time out of her busy schedule to share her experience and story in her career in social work and private practice. We recorded this one at her uh, Brooklyn Heights office in New York. So if you wonder what that deep drone and rumbling is at different points, it's the New York City subway system bellowing below her first floor office. We dig into what mental health looks like, how to know what when we need help, models of behavioral therapy she's used and is currently developing, and how we heal. Here's my conversation with Lissa Hunsicker Kenny.
where did you do your schooling to start out? I went to, um, for my social work degree, I went to Hunter School of Social Work. So here in New York? Here in New York. Okay. Um, it's a great program. It's really, um, it's the most affordable too, which yeah. really made a difference in my 20s when I was trying to make ends meet. Did you did you go to college? This was your first? I went to college, undergrad in uh, at Penn. At Penn, okay. Studied English. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Oh, I was an English major too. Were you? Yeah, yeah I think I knew that. <laughs> um, so I, you know, thought I'd be a writer or... I went and and became a paralegal, thought I maybe wanted to go to law school because my dad went to law school. Yeah. And I found out pretty quickly after the, like, 2 a.m., 4 a.m. nights that I had no interest in being a lawyer. I I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, too. And and I was convinced by someone in, I I, I took this, like, totally the wrong course. When I was a freshman, I decided to take this public speaking course. Mm -hmm. And and I I took a public speaking course in, in high school and I was like shaking and like my face yeah. turned red. I was like a nervous mess. And so I had this idea that like, I want to conquer my public speaking mm-hmm. issue. And so I, but it was, it was all juniors and seniors. And you know, when you're a freshman in college, you, you thought you were something in high school, but you're just a oh, little, you're just a little yeah. baby again. You know, you've got all these like very adult looking you yes. know, people right. like 22 year olds, guys <laughs> with beards. and Right. <laughs> And so I, I took this course, and, the, and we, had, we had to do one, um, one, pub, one, one, of the, one of the assignments was that we had to do, like, something where we had to convince people of something, yeah. you know. And, and she did this thing about why English majors are, are a great major and what, what you can do with English majors. And she was pre-law. And so I was like, oh, I can't, mm, I can't think of There it I, is. Yeah. And so I... Like the next semester, I think I became an English major. So she totally, so she totally convinced me that we have that in common: English yeah. and then the idea of law. Yeah, mm-hmm. what, I don't think either of us would have made good lawyers. No, it would have been terrible. Lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so, so, so you went from you went from Penn to here for for graduate school. Um, no, I went. I I came to New York because I wanted to come to New York and mm-hmm. tried out. You know, being a paralegal that didn't work, and then I realized that I wanted to work in the nonprofit world, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know in what capacity at all. Um, so I worked at a foundation for a while that gave pr- grants to after school programs to inner city kids. And, mm-hmm. and that was cool. But I, I mean, I felt so uncomfortable being on that side of it. Yeah. Right. Like I would go to these really amazing programs in the Bronx and, and, um, People would call me Miss Hunsaker and shake my hand. And, you know, I was 24, you know, oh. and I was like, I'm not who you think I am, right? <laughs> I'm just this little minion who's sent out to check out your program, and I'd much rather be working for you, mm, right? So yeah. then I kind of realized, oh, I want to be more on the grassroots, on that side, yeah. working with direct service. Okay. Um, so. And this whole time I was teaching squash lessons to survive in New York, so which was also fantastic because oh, wow. I could, right? Yeah. Like, so it was a teaching pro at a club, and that allowed me to have these really low-paying social service jobs. And so while you're doing that, you started enrolling in classes? I then said, okay, well, maybe I want to... Uh, I was so scared to 
admit that I wanted to be a therapist because I had this idea in my head that my dad would never accept it. It was <laughs> yeah, totally yeah. my idea. Yeah. Um, and he's not a big believer, and I think he probably talked about that when I was growing up. So I was like, oh, I can't be that, yeah. right? When And my mother actually was a therapist, right? Social worker. Ah. But I thought, I, I really feel like I, I'm so interested in how people work and why yeah. they do what they yeah. do. And in helping people and... And, but I can't, I can't deal with this. I, I can't deal with the pressure of, you know, I was 26 at the time. It's unthinkable to go against what you think your parents yeah. want for you at yeah. that time for some reason. Um, so I actually left and I went to the Czech Republic. Did I ever tell you this? I went to Prague for no. a little while and taught English and was like, you know, living on my own and um, working as an English ESL teacher. It was fantastic. I had oh, so wow. much fun. It was so fun. What, what year was that? Um, uh, 98? Like late 90s? Eight? Yeah. Yeah, 98. That must have been a pretty interesting it time. It was. In the I mean, it wasn't too. the most interesting. It would have been kind of more interesting. It already had become I was there westernized. In I was there in 92. Oh, see, that was the kind of, that was the cooler time. But it was there. just, oh. you know, there was just this shift happening. No, it was an easy place to live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I bet. It, but it and was it was really, so cheap. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It's beautiful there. And it's right there. It's located in the middle of so many, you know, amazing countries. So I would travel every weekend. I would take the train and go to Hungary or, you know, Austria or France. Yeah, it's a a great location for that. So cool. So, and I also read a ton of books on psychology and I was just like immersed in it. Huh. And I got the courage over there to go back to school. I was like, I can do this, right? This is something that I yeah. really want to do. So I enrolled in, um, in classes at, um, city college in psychology to get the prerequisites to then go on and get a PhD in psychology. Okay. Um, and I think maybe a year or so after that, nine 11 happened and which was, um, so horrible and terrifying yeah, and i was here for it too yeah so it was just it threw everything up in the air and transformed everything the world and um and i remember so clearly thinking there's and i was talking to a woman who's a social worker and i thought i there's so many people who need help now yeah there's there's so much pain in the world there's so many issues that how can i possibly be in school for what a PhD would take years, yeah, right? Like yeah. five to seven. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to practice right away. I yeah. wanted to just kind of get out there. So I immediately applied to social work schools. And thank God I did. I'm so glad. It's, I think it's an amazing profession. It's, it's, I'm much more suited to yeah. being a social worker. Um, what, what do you think the difference would have been if you would have gone just, just in terms of your, your career? Um, I think that uh, social workers ha- are doing the same work now. They've kind of stolen some of the, cl- the clinical work from psychologists, and I, you mm-hmm. know, they're doing this. Sa- I think I'd be doing similar work, but mm-hmm. with a different, um, with a different perspective, with a different foundation. Yeah. Um, like social work is much more um, seeing the the whole picture, the sort of the they call it the biopsychosocial, right? Like, so the biology and how it interacts with the psychology and with mm-hmm. society's impact. Uh, yeah. and, 
right? Everything and spirituality and like, you know. And so what, what grabbed you once you got into that program? Um, I, I, let's see. Oh, I should say before that I did, I did take a job working at when I came back from Prague while I was, um, taking classes in psychology at a psychosocial clubhouse. Do you know what these are? No. They're so cool, Jeremy. They're amazing. Um, so for, for seriously and persistently mentally ill adults, they are, uh, kind of rehabilitation centers that are um, built around the idea of um, the idea that someone can heal if they're respected, if they have ownership mm. and agency. Mm. In and um, so the people who attend are not called patients; they're called members. They each have a job, right? You kind of show up yeah. at this place every day, and one person is answering the phones. Right. One person is um, at the snack bar and deciding about like how much each thing should cost. And mm-hmm. some of these people have very severe disabilities, like yeah. s- schizophrenia. Right. Like and But everyone is is completely accepted and allowed to be, you know, as out there as they can be. However they are. However they are. But there's a garden, you know, they get out there and garden and, and the staff are equal with the members. That's, that's that's amazing because I, I feel like that's I've I've had this conversation. I mean, I've just had the conversation about terminology for I mean, w- working with other doctors or working with other therapists and 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 the use of the of the word patient. Mm-hmm. Like it, it causes it causes don't like it. so many problems yeah. in terms of the the power structure dynamic. Uh-huh. I, agree. I, I love I, I mean a great member. I'm kind of trying. I I mean I I. You know, I I don't even quite. I mean, I I don't even know quite how to like label the people that work with me, except for in my field, it's it, it's comfortable for people to say clients, and I yes. I even don't even like that anymore because yeah, it's almost I, like participant. It, or it, it is. I mean, I mean, it's also like I feel like we're we're a partnership in, yes. in what whatever we're doing together, yes, and so right. that and so that we each have our own role, and, mm-hmm. and that and like member members membership <laughs> kind of feels that Isn't way. That great, yeah. So, and, and that's, um, and it really works too. If you're talking about what helps people heal, yeah. um, and get back on their feet or at least, or, you know, have, have, um, some, some renewed faith and, and pride in themselves. It really works. Um, there's also a program that these, it was a call, it was a clubhouse called Giel Clubhouse up in the Bronx. Um, and we also would place them in transitional employment positions, um, you know, as a male clerk in an office building, mm-hmm. right? So we would have partnerships with um, big companies that um, would would partner with us, but would would know that here is we're going to um, have these people come in, members, and and certain do this job for you. And if they, for some reason, as often happens with people who have severe mental illness are unable to come in, Mm -hmm. then we'll have somebody else take their place. Hmm. So it's sort of one position with a number of different possible people. Anyway, the working also is, is really critical, I think in, in recovery. Yeah. So it was, yeah, just, just the sense that, that you're involved in your own process somehow. It's not that, 
it's it's not that dynamic of someone telling you what you need to do and then doing it. It's like you're just throwing in and there's there's probably some some guidance in the in the process, but you don't even realize it's existing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So wow. that was really exciting. And then I definitely was sure that I wanted to go to social work school. And then once I got there, um, you know, I had these field placements that were really interesting. One was working with um, people who had Alzheimer's and dementia, mm-hmm. which was completely new to me. Yeah. And at first I didn't think I wanted to be placed there. And at the end, I, I just absolutely loved it. Learned so much. Um, and then the second was uh, working with a kids working with kids and families at an outpatient mental health center in Bushwick. Um, and I really liked it. I really liked working with kids and families. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where this started. I've always felt comfortable working with kids. So, so, so when you got into, into the social work program, Mm -hmm. uh, that was, that was at Hunter. Yeah. Did you have like any sort of emphasis at that point or were you still just kind of in that exploring? Exploring. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I knew I wanted to do clinical work. Um, I didn't necessarily want to go into policy or yeah. um, group work, but clinical was something that I knew I wanted to do. Yeah. And it's almost nice to not, I mean, I feel like I've gone through this in a number of different ways, in my life, but I feel like that because in my career, I started out working with adults with, you know, back issues, yeah. hip problems, chronic pain i mean the the gamut once you get into the craniosacral work because it could be like more nervous system disorder it could be you know stuff with their hearing jaw issues whatever but then once i got into into pediatrics i felt like and 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 as my pediatric clients Mm -hmm. (laughs) that start start to grow and you 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 kind of see them you, you you know them from from birth and you kind of see them and then you get to and then you get to introduce to like the family dynamics of things and you get to kind of like figure out oh you, and I'm sure you're dealing with this a lot in a, in, a, in a totally different way than I can comprehend but you know I'm I'm definitely holding a certain kind of space for people in their process and you realize how multi generational mm. these kinds of things are Absolutely. that people are going through yes. and I'm I'm only looking at it from the perspective of like what's going on in their physiological body but knowing that there's other processes that are you know part of this and you you clearly are like looking at it from a much more cognitive point of view yeah but the the idea of the kind of the the fact that you're working with either a client or a family at one moment in time yeah and that there has been you know, a whole history, a, a whole sequence of patterns in this family's history, intergenerational yeah. things that have been passed down to them, that it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's impossible to know all the variables that go into yeah. what is happening in our lives in this moment. But yeah. I love trying to figure it out. And, and I started becoming, like, I took a course one time where I, where I was working with this woman she she was from like the middle of the country, I think Kansas City or somewhere, and she you know un, until her story started to unfold, I, I didn't really know anything except for what she was what she was sort of presenting you know, physically to me, but then started getting into like well, her mom was from Philadelphia mm-hmm. and her family was from Hungary and mm. World War Two and all of a sudden it's like it's you know it starts opening up all these things and and. And and what she carries physically still mm. from, 
you know, concentration camps know. and and escaping and yeah. all these things are, are just amazing. Right. Right. And it's, I think that's not something that people believe or they feel like it's some kind of new age or, or, or just that we should that just get over it or something. But it can't possibly actually be affecting somebody the next generation yeah, down. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I'm not going to get this right, but I heard about this study where they, it was with mice, of course, um, and they, they, they did some kind of conditioning with mice to make them hate the smell of cherry blossoms or something like that, right? Like a cherry blossom was paired with something really foreboding and terrifying um, to this mouse. So it's basically, it's, it's cruel, but it's creating a traumatic reaction um, where the trigger is a cherry blossom. So that mouse forever after in her poor life aborted cherry blossoms, (laughs) but so did all of her kids, which is yeah. Wild. I, because I that totally then somehow it. got into her DNA yep. and she passed it on. Yep. Right. And I mean, of course, this is happening to all of us and we're not even, we're not aware of it or we yep. don't think that it's possible. We think that we're just born with this kind of clean slate. And Yeah. It's, and, and, and just how, I mean, I feel like in the, in the climate that we live in, you, you the the United States being such a young nation, you think about like, what we are built upon based on that. And oh, it kind of wow. like blows my mind. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're dealing with. Well, it's like every, <laughs> also we're all immigrants. So everybody's history is coming yeah. in yeah. and our own history. Most of us are country. coming from escaping something. Right. Or from, from slavery. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. A lot of history. Yeah. So, so where did you, so once you, once you finished your, your, that, so that was a graduate so program I, that you yes, did, or so what? I, that, that was exactly I. Um, that was a master's in social work, and then I, um, my first job as a social worker was at Elmhurst Hospital in Queens, mm. and I worked at a partial hospitalization program for children and adolescents, and it was a six week program, and the kids came in. These are kids who, um, this was their their only option before maybe um, getting kicked out of school. Um, there were some, it was, it didn't matter what the diagnosis was. Yeah. Like, so we had kids who were severely depressed, um, who had, you know, who, who were suicidal. We had kids who were just refusing school. We had, I mean, but everyone who came there was really in crisis. Huh. And it was a six week intensive program where they came in and they had a school in the hospital, so they went to school in the morning. Mm. I don't think they learned anything, but they had to go to school because it's a city um, law. And, yeah. um, and then they would receive individual counseling, uh, group therapy, and family therapy. And it was sort of this intensive thing for six weeks, and it was really cool. It really helped. It really helped most of the kids who were there. I think. Huh. Yeah. So, so, and, 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 and if they, if they did well in that, where do they go? There wasn't, there wasn't a clear path. Some kids were going right back to where they they came from. But they might re-enter regular schools. And some kids also would have to go and, and go inpatient hospitalization, which was right there. So, um, most of the time it was, um, 
a transition uh, out of the hospital and toward and, and back to school and back to their families. So, um, and were they kids who just had mental health issues, or were there yes. some other things going on? It was all on? mental health. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so where did, did you? What, so where, I, from there, where do you go? I went to Safe Horizon Counseling Center, um, which is where I received, I think, um, like the most informative training. Like it affected me the, the most, and affected my work and practice the most it's an amazing place um where's that it's safe horizon counseling centers right here on um court street in brooklyn okay in downtown brooklyn um and safe horizon is an organization that has i mean they must have 80 programs across the city and it's um all for crime victims uh-huh. so there are shelters and there are hotlines and there are oh, you know wow. programs for teens and then the counseling center was um, designed as the, um, the the clinical piece, right? Anyone who needed additional services um, would would come there. So it was all um, interpersonal violence, um, domestic violence, and abuse, and it was oh wow, that's yeah, heavy with kids and families. It was it was really heavy, yeah. really intense, and um, there they taught me about trauma and understanding what it means and how to see something through that lens, um, which is not something everybody, uh, um, can naturally does. Um, yeah, I'm treating, I'm treating a four year old right now who also has like a, like he's a a little bit on the, on the uh, sensory processing, but very minor. Like he's got a few things that, I've just picked up, you know, in terms of like his, his, uh, certain things that he sort of like picks up visually and feels and things mm-hmm. like that. But he, he and his mother witnessed a homeless guy assaulting another homeless woman. Mm-hmm. And he saw them mm-hmm. and started to attack them, started to go after them. Aww. And so, from that point on, mm-hmm. all his all his issues flared, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't leave his mother's side. He, he had to sleep with her, mm-hmm. and they don't have very much money. So I started, you know, I, uh, somebody, a colleague of mine, asked if I would do some pro bono work with them. So I, you know, started I started treating him, and it's interesting to see how it's manifested in in his physical body yes right and, and then how it's starting to dissipate Aww. simply from you know just having the space to kind of and they've been working now on i mean like four sessions in maybe you know they've been working on getting some separation from each other a little bit mm-hmm. and feeling safe and you know using the session as like a safety net of sorts Aww. you know it's like this amazing that's so thing. nice that sounds like great work you know and and it's and I, i'm sure you you have i mean this is just my yeah. <laughs> my methodology right i'm sure you, well, you've had to deal with that in other ways yeah i mean it sounds like you also were able to well the mother reacted right away and that mm-hmm. you were able to become involved with the family right away which is critical and help to you know contain um, and calm his his um, nervous system, yeah. which was in fight or flight. And um, but you know, experiencing a trauma doesn't necessarily always manifest in trauma symptoms. If right away there is a yeah. sense, yeah. right? Like so, I think the 
It took yes. them a while. I think it took the mother a while to realize that like something had sort of changed. And you know, yes. at first, of course, she probably was just like being mama bear, right? Yeah. Just like, okay, I, I got you. I'm going to take mm-hmm. care of you here. Yeah. But then when things don't start to resolve and that pattern gets set, right? What do you do in that situation? Right. Right. Um, but I think you can um, catch these things earlier. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, it sounds like you did. Well, and, and our, and I just, just by like understanding the, just the, just the awareness of like, this is how something happens. I, I, I imagine, you know, someone comes into you, you, you have to, you know, this is, we, we always deal with this, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they come to us at a specific point in time yeah. and we have to sort of like peel back their, their history a little yeah. bit and see like, well, what, what, what is there that's relating to, you know, where, where do I enter into this? Yes. Right. And I, and I think also there are, with trauma in particular, there are very predictable symptoms and in a way we would see a lot of people who didn't realize they were traumatized who didn't realize their kids were traumatized they were like he's just acting crazy right or i just can't sleep or i'm just so angry or i just can't stop thinking about it yeah and it was amazing so many times we had to sort of um assess in the beginning to see what their level of symptomatology was and it was always interesting and it was often a really helpful and therapeutic experience for the client because I would ask all these questions, right? Like, do you startle when somebody comes close? Yeah. How'd you know? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, do you have nightmares? Yes. They think like, you're, they think are you're you a mind reading reader. my mind? Yeah, yeah. You know? And it was then so nice to realize, no, these are the normal responses yeah. when you've experienced a trauma. This you're is what not the body crazy. does. You're normal. You're normal, yeah, right. And that this treatment that we use can really help you feel better. And it was awesome, yeah. And so, like, so many people when I had that job would ask me, "How can you do that job? It's you're working with these poor kids, and such terrible things have happened to them." And I said, "You're right. It's it's terrible." Yeah. But it was also so. It was amazing to see the the treatment work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kids just would get better. Yeah. And to think that you're taking a six-year-old right after this impact yeah. and, um, and helping them recover in, you know, three months, 12 weeks yeah. sometimes. And giving them tools. And, and then things. for the rest of their life, yeah. right? Like yeah. you're, it's, it's really cool time to intervene. Yeah. What do you, what do you do in a situation like that? Like, how do you, what, what is it, what is it that you find is, is most helpful to them that sort of gets them out of that place? Um, I think it's uh, a process of, I mean, and there, there's this sort of amazing treatment model that they, that we were all trained in and that is now nation, national and they've um, probably been teaching people internationally, but it's called TFCBT, Trauma-Focused Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Okay. Um, and it is sort of a, it is a manualized treatment model that goes through different components um uh starting with like what you did which is well i guess you would start with educating them in a way like Mm. this is what trauma is yeah okay right this is this is what the symptoms are everything you're experiencing is normal in response to this trauma um 
and and providing other um, necessary education around the specific trauma and then helping them ground right like that i think that's where the cranial sacral work was right, right. it was right like helping the body just, just settle out all settle, that yeah right and so there's so much adrenaline cortisol in the system um did you ever learn any hands-on work with no the, yeah I'd love to. Maybe I know. I, I feel like that should be it, something. I mean, it's. I, I know there are probably boundary issues. Yeah, with some I think of these there things. are social workers are are probably not definitely not licensed to right, do hands right. on. I, I don't know. There, there there's. Right? I think there is. I think. I've, I mean, I've seen licensing for some of this stuff. I think oh, they, really? they may be able to do some hands on things. Hmm. Interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll throw that phase. out there. Someone, someone, let us know about this. <laughs> So so, where where did you go from from there? Um, what, was the, what was the name well, of the place again? It was called uh, Safe Horizon. Safe Horizons, yeah. yeah. Um, I had a baby. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So I got pregnant and I left and I thought I would go back, and um, something happened after I had a child where I really I felt um, open and more vulnerable and I felt like I might not be able to do the work as well mm. um, with especially with children with children I yeah know. it's hard yeah, like I can't like watch newborn, right? there's certain things I can't oh, watch, can't watch anymore. Anything anymore. Yeah, I can't watch any violence it's just terrible um, so I, I was I was feeling that very strongly I could definitely do the work now okay. but then and I yeah. thought I can't go back into this um, the this the, the extreme environment and yeah and it wasn't that extreme but i just i made the decision to go into private practice okay and that's what i've been doing for then the past almost nine years so did you have like a, a focus at that point did you were you thinking like sticking mm, with trauma or? i wasn't i thought i thought trauma is my specialty and i'll yeah. let people know that but i'll also you know be sort of a generalist i see people with depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. you know just relationship issues and people who are just trying to work stuff out yeah you know um and so that's what i did and i've gradually built it up over the years um and now i'm working i'd say is it half adults and half children it's probably more children maybe half and half now um so what's what's the most surprising thing that you've found yourself kind of interested in that has there, has there been any sort of detours along the way of like oh I didn't think mm-hmm. this population would be something that I would find myself I didn't in. plan to work with kids at all oh really no I I thought I'm, I'm just going to stick with adults it's just huh. so much easier and they want to be there and yeah. you know they like show up <laughs> for their sessions and um and I didn't start working with kids until maybe about four four or five years after I, again right I, I'd had a foundation working with kids but um. And then I remembered how much I liked it, um, started doing more work with kids and getting more referrals and, um, and, and realizing when I was full that I didn't know too many people. There aren't that many people, I think, who were working with kids that I knew. Yeah, I mean, I so I started time. to feel pressure, like, I, mean, I have to take these people. And, and I'm glad I did because then I started to kind of develop more um, uh, – I, I, I made place a space for it in my – 
practice. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's what happened to me too. Yeah. I, I, I really didn't plan on working with, in, in pediatrics, I, especially newborns, I mean, of oh all of God. all things, it's like, it, and it's, now I can't imagine my weeks without having newborns. I mean, it's, it's the most amazing thing. Energy. Oh but it's, but, but it, like, you know, we've, we've talked about this before. It's, and, and I think this, it's, there's this balancing act that I think is, it's, it's very helpful. And I do feel it's, it's interesting how I, I feel like, I was sort of talking about this earlier, but I feel like there's something about like tapping into a couple of different generations of people in terms of, even if I'm not working with like multiple members of a family, but to work with different generations of human beings oh, <laughs> of, yes. of, of being able to kind of say like, oh, I can almost kind of see this in an, in an adult or I can almost kind of see this in a baby. Oh, it's so and, fascinating. And, 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 the, and just this is like part of part of life. Like like before I got into working with with mm. newborns, I wouldn't I would never really thought about the fact that it's traumatic to be born. Mm. Right, 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 and that there's that that passage into into life uh-huh. has this has this effect on us, yeah. physiologically, and who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. you can say it's emotional, but I don't even know what's what if we're at that place yet as as you know fresh newborns. But 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 to, because as as parents, we're so like caught up in what we're going through that we don't have like I I've used this analogy a few different times because I've seen this a few times, but. Like I've I've worked with a lot of mothers and 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 because I because I kind of work in combination with midwives and doulas sometimes, I've I've heard these you know people's stories about like how amazing their birth was and mm. they had this home birth or water mm. birth or whatever, but baby has For had you. A, <laughs> baby has had a totally different experience. Oh yes, right. And because and it can be for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like something you almost can't even define. Yeah. But we come into the world with our set of things. And, yeah. And like, there's something important to understand about that as human beings. And that, you know, I think as parents, we, we want to solve all these things for right. our kids. And I'm yes. sure this is like, you know, your, your field. <laughs> That's so interesting. It actually is like, you know, I, I don't, have you ever heard of somatic experiencing? I've heard of you it. You have, yeah. right? Yeah. It's kind of right up your alley. Yeah. Um, so I took a course in somatic experiencing and it's, that's, it's kind of all about, um, I guess it's the sort of crossover between the physical and the psychological. We we we, we do a st- kind of study in our in our coursework that's similar, where we, we we're able to sort of I- identify what's going on mm-hmm. physiologically through mm-hmm. that somatic experience. And sometimes, you know, people will like have a remembering, or sometimes mm-hmm. it's just it just comes through a visual image or something, and then we can work with that. Right. Right. So I'm sure it's is it is that in the same right. ballpark. So yes, and it was sort of that working with. Um, the the body's memory i'm not going to say this exactly right yeah. but working with the body's memory mm-hmm. of trauma yeah. and yeah. understanding ways in which the body is reenacting something over and over again in an effort to heal itself mm. right so yeah. there was this example of a, a a child who a baby when he was very young i think he had to have surgery with some kind of very serious intervention physical intervention Mm -hmm. and um he was i guess very distressed since that point and he would just you know he was pushing everybody pushing his mom away pushing his you know pushing the therapist away pushing everybody away and screaming and and the way this was conceptualized was that this is his effort at health this is what he needed to do Mm, at the time to protect himself 
So he was physically, you know, needing to push away the doctor. He couldn't. So the, the, um, the, the therapist would give him something to push against, right? So that he had the physical experience in his muscles and in his mm. body and in his mind of defending himself, right? The thing yeah. that he wasn't able to do. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. And that over and over again was what led to the healing. And so, and I, and I then, I kind of thought about um, my own daughter who, when she's angry, um, she, she kind of gets really straight and she kind of pushes from her heels and kind of pushes her head straight up. Mm-hmm. She's always done that. Yeah. It comes really stiff like a soldier. This. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, she had, I don't know. I never thought of it. Was it traumatic? I don't know. But she was in the birth canal for hour and a half. Yeah. And her head was stuck. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I mean, and I is... so I called John from the from the lunch hour, or like from the place, and I said, "Listen to this," and I told him the whole theory, and I said, and he goes, "I know what you're going to say. <laughs> that thing that she does yeah. is her effort to push out of the womb." I said, "Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's who maybe, but why why wouldn't it be?" And and I've seen one of the so one of the first courses that I took in this work in mm-hmm. we in in craniosacral work the first level course that i mean the the third level course that you get into is somato emotional release so mm. how how does that come out of the body basically yes and the they had a volunteer in the class do a demo with the teacher and this this woman who got on the table young in her 20s she she went through what i mean i I was I, I I mean in my entire career I feel like I go through every single thing I'm I'm always a bit of a skeptic I'm always kind of going through like are you really that surprises I, I, me I, I am and and I and I need and it's it's why I've been led into like I think craniosacral model for me is like a much more scientific I'm 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 really into the nervous system mm-hmm. I'm really into like how these things physiologically work and so like I need I need to have some kind of Western thing it's probably right. why I didn't end up in like acupuncture or whatever mm-hmm. even though i've studied some of that stuff mm-hmm. and i and i totally get how it relates to what i'm doing but so but each each level that i kind of go through these things i feel like i have to i need i need to have like real evidence yeah <laughs> and so i saw this thing on the table of this woman going through this basically like uh, almost kind of like a rebirthing experience wow and this is the first time she's ever been treated in this kind of way and had this experience in anything like this. And it was, it was so profound. There was so much going on. I mean, there was, it was almost like you could see when she was done with the session, she looked like a totally different person. And and I, and I just couldn't help, but like, I, I was in awe and I, and I think about it to this day sometimes when I'm working with people, because I, even, even when I'm working with adults, like I was saying, like how I can almost kind of see them as like, what we what was this like as a baby? What Aww, what would this have yes, looked like? Of as a, and so I, I can almost kind of like sense this stuff in people's bodies sometimes. And sometimes it feels maybe not that far back. I can right. I can sense you know. And then and then I get information. I was I, I've, I've worked with this guy that I was working with today for like at least ten years, and I got some information from him about something very specific in mm-hmm. relation to like a family dynamic thing yeah. that. I should have known forever mm-hmm. because I have the exact same 
thing uh-huh. in my life. Yes, right. And 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 I'm I feel super connected to him, and we've almost kind of developed a friendship over the years through yeah. all this stuff. And and it, it's it's like it wasn't a surprise to you. It wasn't a surprise no. to me, but it's but it's funny how it sometimes. Sometimes these things don't, you know, it takes a while before someone, you know, someone the first session might like give you all this information. And sometimes it, even an intake, I've, I've gotten all this information in intake sometimes and think I'm going to, I'm going to really understand what I'm doing with this person from what I get in intake. And then what happens on the table is a totally different thing. And I get other information where they tell me actually when I was five years old, this happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like it's also when they feel safe and that may be. In the first ten minutes, and yeah. it may be a year and a half later, or it might be ten and, years later. Yeah, and that that you know has happened plenty of times. You know, I've been working with somebody who, you know, didn't realize that she was traumatized this until you know a year and a half in. Yeah, and I feel like it hit her. She had the memory because she was strong enough because she had done that work for a year yeah. and a half yeah. to to build up her resources to you know some part of her knew that she could handle it if she remembered it yeah but had she remembered it before that you know maybe she wouldn't have been able to handle it or she feared she wouldn't have so it's 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 really interesting i feel like all this happens as you know as somebody is is finally allowed to settle or like rest then the the healing takes place yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's, I mean, it has to, I mean, there's a, there's like in one of the things they sort of tell us and through our coursework is that s- stressed bodies don't heal. Stress systems don't heal. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's, that's they don't the, heal. They, don't, they heal, don't heal. Right. They don't heal at all. And that's the first part. I mean, that's always the, for me, like that's always the first part for people is, you know, and sometimes I work with people who are just going through something like a back spasms or, you know, seemingly simple but like what leads to a back spasm right you know i mean you can say and people always come in and say oh i you know i slept funny mm-hmm. I, I i was lifting this you know box and we're moving and whatever oh you're moving mm-hmm. like you're 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 moving your home base <laughs> oh right <Your laughs> that's not stressful at all <laughs> right. right and so just like I, I i think people oftentimes are looking for something that's that is just like the the most recent thing that's like this this most surface thing and there's yeah. always there's always layers to it and i, I think it, it doesn't have to you don't have to necessarily you know deconstruct the whole thing no you can't right you often can't i mean i no. feel like that that kind of translates into the family work that i do because sometimes the the family will come to me with the child will present the child as the problem as this is the child who has this yeah, behavior yeah. problem yeah. and um and that is often how we see it yeah and um to your point they can't that child can't heal if the system is stressed yeah so if the family system yeah is stressed the need the work needs to be done with the family and with the parenting and yeah. and um that I've can even, be really tricky I know. I, I've I've even recognized it with newborns, you know, yeah. where the family is brand new sometimes. And one of the things I figured out, you know, maybe like two or three years into working with them was that if I got, because I, I started hearing mothers say things to me like, well, my husband thinks this, you know, well, he's, he's, he's really stressed out because he has to work all the time. And he's like, you know, he's, 
he's he's stressed out because he wants to make sure that he's doing enough and uh-huh. right? and so and but he doesn't understand you know what's going on here with or he, or he doesn't believe something or whatever and part of it is just that you're they're they're kind of you know when you start something it's it's a brand new experience of of having a child and you know as as a father i felt that the yeah. responsibility of like you know i know and this is maybe sort of cultural but you know when 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 your wife is sort of taking time to like really spend time with this, you feel this ultra responsibility to like, I got to take care of my family. Sure, you sure. Know? So I think that goes on. But what I started to realize was that if, if I could get dad to that, se- that first session mm-hmm. so that everybody is, everybody's on the same page. They're, yeah. they're, they're both hearing what I have to say yeah. and any, any sort of guidance I might have or anything, anything I pick up about what's going on with the baby and he can hear what his wife is saying about yeah. the struggle she's having because mm-hmm. she's not able to feed the child mm-hmm. the way, and she's having to do all these extra mm-hmm. things to, to create milk supply. I mean, just and understand understanding what it's like to be at home for eight to ten hours a day with a with a newborn. You know, yes. I mean, that that alone is yeah. is enough. So that and 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 I what I found out was that when I did that, almost. I mean, probably 90% of the time, the next time I saw it, and I usually do like one follow-up, yeah. no, no matter what. And I found out almost like 90% of the time, issues would resolve with Isn't what was amazing. going on with the baby. Well, I feel like it's also, I totally agree, especially if the whole, if both parents are there, when I first meet with the family, yeah. I, I will have, I'll meet with ideally both parents um, and then the child. It's, there's something about everyone together focusing on the problem and setting their intention to better understand it. And the child feels that, right? And they feel relieved like, oh, either mom gets that this is a problem. Mom gets that I'm, dad gets that I'm unhappy or um, they're taking this seriously Um, and, and, and they care and they're here and they're going to do the work, right? And, and, and these people who've always been, my guides in life are going to be the ones who are helping me through it. I just feel like without that, I don't think, I don't think therapy works. And I imagine that yeah. with cranial sacral, it'd be very hard to work in isolation with a child. You yeah. can't do it. Yeah. No. Right. I mean, it, there's a certain, there's a, there's a, there's a stepping off point. I feel like there's, there's also like a point where it's, it's good for the child to have their own individual sure. identity, but mm-hmm. that might be a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes I'll just suggest that like, you know, I'll have my room and I'll have the door open, mm-hmm. but the parent is like just on the other side of the door. That's so that, exactly what it, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're smart. Well, <laughs> but it's what works. I, it is. I, that's, that's, it's, it's been trial and error for me. I find there's just the, the energy in the room totally is is different and they you know it's, i mean just being a parent i, I understand mm-hmm. this too yeah so do you is is there what's what's your what's your latest curiosity where what's 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 kind of exciting you now about your work um well or new things I've, that you're blending the, in. The new thing is that um, I now sort of have a um, partner who's one of my greatest friends ah. from social work school, from Hunter. And she also then worked at Safe Horizon Counseling Center with me. And she continued to work there for 10 years, became the clinical director. Wow, how cool is that? She 
um, is ready for a change. Um, and she's moved into private practice. And so I, um, I told her about this work that I've been doing with kids, this short term work. It's, you know, I said, there's a, a lot of people who are really appreciating the fact that we have this short term model yeah. involving the parents. Um, it's normalizing, it's, um, non-pathologizing, it's focused on health. Um, and so I said, just work with me on this. So it's been exciting because she's now coming in and we're helping each other with referrals, but we're also creating this, um, it's, it's a model, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, where um, you're, where you're, are you partnering in some way or? We're supervising each other, uh-huh. um, and we're going to be starting to train other clinicians in the model. Okay. Um, and it's nothing, it's not rocket science, right, but it's right. like we, we decided, actually, the the other trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy I told you about, TACBT, mm-hmm. is this succinct 12-week um, uh, model right. that takes the child through a, a certain specific set of interventions. Um, and I thought, you know, I feel like there needs to be something like that for non-traumatized kids, uh, right? Yeah. Kids who don't have a level of symptomatology that's even clinical, yeah. right? Like they probably don't really meet the criteria for a diagnosis, but they are having a lot of trouble controlling their their moods having temper tantrums or school refusal or something like this. Yeah. Like that stuff does not require ongoing weekly psychotherapy forever. I don't think so. I, want, I think the kids need to be um, in, you know, parents need to be in addressing the problem. And, um, and then, you know, 12 weeks later back out on the soccer field. All right. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, this is another one of these things that I, I, I feel like I keep getting into these conversations, and but but maybe it's just something that I'm focusing on right yeah. now. But that it's so easy to kind of like 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 a word like trauma. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get like sort of highly focused on like if if either of us want to focus on a, a place where there was trauma in our lives. Mm-hmm. We can find that really mm-hmm. easily and then mm-hmm. say that, you know, we are a, a trauma victim or that we're, there's something going on there. But it doesn't really matter in terms of like what we're trying to, the end goal. Like we're still, we're still working, like that model can serve other things. It doesn't necessarily mean that the trauma needs to be the, 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 the reason for going in, into that model. Oh, right. Absolutely. I mean, I think this model would help anybody, right? Right. And, right. Um, it's all about like you know finding a way to regulate your your emotions and learning about what emotions are and um, fi- understanding your the 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 intensity of your emotions. And, and it's so simple to like, like take so something yeah, that you already like, had these are skills, and 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 everybody should learn them. All kids should learn them. Yeah. And they don't necessarily. And um, I think when they do, it's sort of like they have this. They were planting seeds. Yeah. The child at the end of the treatment isn't symptom free, yeah. but their parents are. Um, they have a new outlook and they have new strategies and a new understanding of of what their child needs. 
and the child understands also to the extent that he or she can what knows what they need and then they go out and they they go back to their life and they practice these new things and hopefully shift into a different rhythm yeah so so getting into the the my idea with the podcast of mm-hmm. of of health and, and people are coming to you to to become mentally healthy yes what does what does healthy look like to you like at what point are you are you more comfortable with like where they are in terms of how they're how they're going through their day-to-day that's a good question um and i think it's just determined by a number of different factors sort of um the the parents and and what they're Mm, seeing the child and how they're feeling and and what they're reporting and also my observations the teacher's observations um and uh are, are they are they able to um, utilize these skills not every time they're either right. upset or anxious or whatever but do they do they have a plan for what they what they could do and can they start practicing that at home I feel like the growth happens at home it yeah. doesn't with short term treatment it's not going to happen in in the room necessarily solely with the therapist yeah right I'm going to hopefully ignite something in them and say now continue and go home and those parents become the therapeutic uh agent yeah and it's almost like you and maybe maybe we just need to see them on a on a path to progress yes it's, that's it's, a good way it's it's not not, it, not perfection there's no there is no perfection with right. these kinds of things and mm-hmm. you know like we we get things thrown at us all the time that we have to react to and sometimes we do it well right. and you know if we're doing it more well than we were before i think mm-hmm. we're we're in a we're on a that's a good way to say it positive track yeah i agree and, and yeah I, I i go through this with like let's say we take an aging adult when i'm doing physical work with them like mm-hmm. we're 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 always in really in a state of physical decline when it comes mm-hmm. right down to it mm-hmm. but there are but there are there are improvements that can be made and sometimes we can kind of see if, especially if there was a period of decline, that we can take take them back in a trend that's actually more positive. Ah, that's and, a good way and, to look at it. You know it. that it, it, if 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 there is a continued decline, there could be multiple factors going on. We we don't always know, but I think if if we see that there's an opportunity for progress and we can and we can do that, it, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that that makes us more healthy. I mean, that's this is where things get mm-hmm. sort of complicated. But it, but but I do think in terms of what the what the person's aim is you know if 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 the goal is to to you know feel better some percentage of the time mm-hmm. if, if especially if we're dealing with something that's like a chronic illness mm-hmm. that is a big that is a big uptick like i, I deal with people with migraines a lot okay. and i see people who are having 16 migraines a month sometimes yeah and if we change that to seven mm. that is such a huge improvement in someone's life and we you know as as you know medical people we may look at it you know some people would look at that and say we're still failing right, <laughs> right? but we've made an improvement in in in, in someone's you know overall day to day absolutely that sounds like health to me yeah and i think that's kind of like the, that that's the possibility and and and, and the, the possibility that changes even you know a, a possibility in the first place is something mm-hmm. that i think is is huge for a lot of people yeah yep 
Well, thank you. This is awesome. This is yeah, so, this this been so, so fun, fun to finally do. Thanks for inviting me. Do, do you have any, um, I, I know you're a big squash player. Yes. Squash is kind of my obsession. I know. I know. <laughs> is, is there, so as, as part of your sort of day-to-day health maintenance program, do you have anything that's a, kind of a, a daily, weekly ritual that you engaging just just in in your life i mean obviously squash is something that it probably it probably serves many many functions that's it it's like it's like some mental health therapy and some physical physical stuff health stress relief um do you do anything in any any other kinds of things i do um i do some cross training for the squash yeah yeah and i do a lot of stretching and trying to heal my hamstring injury so <laughs> you know massage and any, anything for your mental health like Splash. balance yeah yeah <laughs> honestly are, are you a journaler or a, um a, a... i am a i am a reader of any kind of self-help or psychology book yeah. i'm just yes. gets you in that headspace where you can i, I, I know it. i, I can't kind of read fiction anymore i just I read I just got back into fixing it re- recently. You? Yeah, just kind of all of a sudden. I, know I was an oh, English major, obviously. Nice. So, yeah. But and I and I kind of all of a sudden I I found something in fiction mm-hmm. again that after years of being clinical That's and nice. I know so it's possible for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. I I I look forward to seeing where all of your stuff goes because I've I've seen like such amazing i mean and and i've you and i have been able to collaborate together and, yeah. and refer back and forth and i feel like i i just i i'm, I'm so excited about like the direction everything is oh, going and and, and and i think the family work that you've been doing yeah. is so needed and i and i i just from like you were saying i don't think there are enough people really who are able to kind of hold that space for mm-hmm. families and, yeah. and do that work so and allow them to heal yeah all right yeah that's awesome thank all you right. thank you all right This is a Hunsicker Kenny, folks. I've known her for quite a while, but I learned a lot more uh, just from getting her story and uh, have even more respect for her if that's possible. Uh, I'm so you know thrilled to see how she's growing and adapting to challenges happening in her world and her community. And I've been thinking a lot about you know her what happened after 9/11, something she talked about in the conversation, how she just felt this need to help people and how she knew she had to get involved immediately. And it speaks to her instinct, for sure, of minimizing harm and intervening as quickly as she can. But also made me think about, you know, my career. Lisa and I both chose to get involved as a career, but I think there are so many ways to do this and get involved in our own communities uh, in little ways. You know, whether it's spending time with elderly, reading to children, there's lots of lots of opportunities, and in many cases, people just need to feel acknowledged, uh, and oftentimes they just need someone to listen. If you know of any great organizations who do this kind of thing, or you yourself need resource, or if you're a resource provider, please contact me at Jeremy at Highway to Health Podcast.com. As we're currently in the process of building our resource site, we can add this to our growing list and help you find ways to connect in your community. Thank you for your support and for listening. 
one skill we can all learn to be better at. Be kind to yourself, take care of each other, and be good to your planet. Be well, my friends. podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.